Hello, and welcome to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. My name is Neil Began, leader of the Risk Advisory Practice here at Cherry Beckert. And today on our Risk and Review Podcast, we are going to look at a few of the common mistakes, otherwise commonly known as pitfalls, in developing the annual internal audit plan. With me today is Lori Daniels and Christine Homack, leaders in Cherry Beckert's Risk Advisory and Government and Public Sector Practices, respectively. Lori and Christine, thanks so much for joining me today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, Neil. As always, we are going to begin with a series of five questions for the Risk and Review podcast, and we are going to cover what we decided for this one, as you both are well aware, the five most common pitfalls organizations encounter, and also provide some best practices to try and avoid these mistakes. As you both know, developing a sound audit plan and really an internal control, healthy internal control environment can ensure that organizations are protecting against fraud and misuse, uh, creating organizational efficiency, providing for financial stability and integrity, and and lastly, surely not least, is ensuring that uh, they're meeting any regulatory compliance needs and requirements. So with that said, let's get started. Lori, it's all right, I'm gonna begin with you. Can you set the stage a little bit with the first common pitfall in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely, Neil. I think one of the most common things I've seen in my, my history with clients, not only with clients, but also in my own experience leading internal audit departments in the past is not getting started in that planning early enough in the calendar. So whether you're on a year-end fiscal year or a mid-year fiscal year-end, whatever your calendar timeline is, not getting started in that planning process early enough so that you actually have your full fiscal year to execute your plan is really important. So with that being said, once the focus on developing the next plan has begun, Christine, what would you say is another misstep that you've seen over your career? So this one actually occurs for many organizations, even those that start months in advance of the next audit year, um, not considering the current year plan and progress. So are there process audits that we need to carry over? Were there some audits not done? And why weren't they done? Um, Has an incident been reported or occurred that requires a special project with immediate attention? And why that's really important is that um, we go in with the audit plan as a plan, just that. And the goal is to complete the projects. But as things come up, we want to make sure that the plan is flexible and responsive to the changing needs of the organization. And part of that process is educating your audit committee to understanding that responsiveness and the awareness that they need and educating them in the process. And that's a requirement in both Red Book and Yellow Book standards with respect to communication as the chief audit executive or even as the internal audit consultant, um, and especially in the Red Book Standard 2010. So it's really important that that agileness and responsiveness is kept in the plan. Completely agree with that. And um, recognizing we're already at question number three of our five questions, this may be the quickest one we've ever done, but I do like the rapid fire format, so let's keep it going. You know, you mentioned obviously one very important element in this process uh, and discussion could be the role uh, management plans and and plays in this process. And and Lori, uh, with that said, can you touch on our next pitfall, which is not involving senior management? 
Yeah, absolutely. And Christine, I'm glad you just mentioned that reference to the Red Book standards because standard 2010 uh, planning is one that I wanted to chat on here because that planning process, it really involves being proactive. And part of being proactive is including your management team, including that upper level executive team so that you get their perspectives on what's important and what's not important. You get their perspectives on the risk, not to say that they are driving what the internal audit plan becomes, but having their input and their perspective because they are on the front lines and their teams are on the front lines of all the processes and the operations of an organization is so important. Because internal audit oftentimes, because we are overseeing everything, we don't see the details in respective areas. So getting their input, um, getting their input even on timing and scheduling of when an audit should be conducted once that internal audit plan is developed is is important. You know, the last thing you want to do is come into your finance department when they're trying to file a 10Q or a 10K and say, guess what? We're here to audit uh, your financial reporting process. I mean, they would obviously look at you like you've got 12 heads if you come in mm -hmm. their busiest time and want to audit that process. So, you know, that's important. And, you know, also leaving space for them to come back and make some requests, you know, that consultative arm of internal audit and being able to provide consultative services that aren't those come in and get you type audits, which everyone believes internal audit is out to do, no matter how many times we say we're not. The, the ability to have management be able to come to the internal audit team and make a request for an area just to, you know, kick the tires, give us some input on policy or process or things we want to change. What would that do to our risk environment? What would it do to our control environment? Having them have you know, a little bit of a seat at the table and how to plan that that audit plan for the year would speak volumes to building that trusted advisor type partnership and reducing the adversarial relationship a lot of people still try to have with internal audit. Absolutely, yeah. I completely agree. In the, the busiest time comment that you made could not be more appropriate. We've certainly seen more busy time than not over the last few years, and it used to be a little bit more prescriptive that you could tell looking out on a calendar or 12 months, you know, look ahead of when busiest times would be. But certainly, like so many other things, COVID has kind of disrupted that. So couldn't agree with that more. And Christine, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you going to tag on there? Um, no, just to build on Lori's point also, I think periodic check-ins as part of that um, education and coaching with your audit committees and sharing information, not only do standards require it, but to Lori's point of making sure that they're aware, giving them the opportunity to think outside the box and showing them that you're available when things do change, not at just the meeting times, but intermittently checking in with them. Um, and if a special committee meeting is needed because something drastically changes, we saw that in COVID, things were changing rapidly. If we keep them in the loop and share with them our perspective and what to watch out for, but continue that communication, that allows the the plan itself to continue to be flexible and agile for them and really reaching into those strategic goals and making sure it stays in alignment as we plan from the beginning, but it's also responsive. Absolutely. Would agree with that too. I mean, one of our goals, certainly when we are either an outsourced and or co-source function is to, is to be that trusted advisor 
year-round, not just uh, when an audit pops up. We want to be actually proactive about whether it's a change in standard or requirement that needs to be met or maybe a change in environment, which we certainly have all experienced um, more so <laughs> than not recently. Um, Christine, I'm going to stay with you if it's okay for number four. Um, can you talk about another pitfall that you've encountered? Well, I think for me, it's not just linking the internal audit plan to the organization's strategic plan and goals. As then Lori said, that's required. It's, it's failing to make that connection, and it puts IA at risk. It puts the organization at risk for not being relevant to the rest of the organization. Um, that comes in a coaching and education process with the audit committee, too, and their fiduciary responsibilities. It's understanding the expectations of stakeholders for where and how internal audit functions and where that continuum, where on that continuum that IA fits. And I think that's really important as we see mo more co-sourcing and outsourcing going on when we see the staffing capacity challenges that are going out on in organizations out there, that we really understand that that co-sourcing or outsourcing is a strategic partnership. It's continuous throughout the year. And those risks need to be looked at, updated, and the plan augmented to adjust for changes as they occur and not just be in a rear view approach that we look forward and, and anticipate and plan and be agile, that word we use often, right? Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is looking forward to risk and, and what you do in your audits and have you done a risk assessment and tying it into that strategic plan and your development of the audit plan. And if you haven't done it, thinking about that conversation and how it fits in there to help you um, ensure that alignment with those strategic goals and remain versatile and useful, right? We don't want an audit plan that just sits on the shelf. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. And actually, all four pitfalls that we've discussed already, not only interesting, but but absolutely relevant. Um, we said at the beginning, we keep it to five. We want people to be able to kind of think about and compartmentalize and digest the, the, the five pitfalls rather than going beyond that. And so we'll keep the same format for this podcast series, which we always keep it to five questions. So with that said, we've covered four. And as we wrap up, I'm going to come back to Lori to start. And Christine, certainly you can tack on if, if you'd like. Um, Lori, what else are you seeing in terms of a pitfall that you would uh, point out to folks listening to this podcast to be aware of? Well, oddly enough, Neil, Christine alluded to it in what she was just talking about around linking things to the strategic plan, and that's the risk assessment. And not basing your internal audit plan on a risk assessment is huge. And you'd honestly be surprised how many shops don't do a risk assessment still. They might form their internal audit plan off of gut feel, here's what I think we ought to look at, or that you're the famous Sally, the famous last year type mentality, oh, these are the audits we always do and we've always done, so we're going to continue to do them again and again and again because that's the expectation or because they're the quote-unquote familiar audits to do. Um, that's, that's a huge pitfall to not have a risk assessment uh, process in place not only a pitfall, but it actually violates, again, we've talked a lot about standards, it violates Red Book standards to not have a risk assessment as the foundation of your internal audit plan. So 
you know, they come in all shapes, forms, sizes. You know, there's not a one size fits all. I get that question a lot. Do you just have a standard template that I can just plug and play? And like, oh, I would love to say yes, but every organization is different. So every risk assessment, therefore, has to be different. Um, the, the theory and the methodology can be the same at a high level, but whether you have a three-point scale or a five-point scale, how many risk factors you include, what your likelihood criteria is versus your impact criteria, you know, all of those things vary from one organization to another. Um, and there's so many different things within that. Do you do a, a comprehensive risk assessment? Do you separate out an IT risk assessment? Do you separate out a fraud risk assessment? Or how do you incorporate all of those into one comprehensive risk assessment that leads you to your audit plan. Uh, huge pitfall to not have that in place as a foundation. Agreed. In in an effort to keep it to five questions versus six, I'll just say, uh, Christine, feel free to add anything if you'd like. Build on what Lori said also <laughs> is taking into consideration, um, looking at those different types of risk assessment. Where is your maturity in your organization? Have you never done them? Have you done them before and they haven't been updated? Have you done an overall, but not maybe a fraud risk assessment or an IT? Or even if you've done all of them or in some form or fashion, when was the last time they were updated? We see often in the IT risk assessments, the systems and just IT in general move at lightning speed. And sometimes we need to look at them more often than not. And things change so rapidly that we really, really need to consider that even in a mature risk assessment process. So understanding the nature of where you fit in that spectrum and your control maturity and what you've done in the past is really helpful. And to Lori's point, required with standards that um, it's a living, breathing, iterative process that you continually build on to make sure you mitigate that risk as much as possible. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you both. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Christine, for your insights. Um, certainly, there's more to come on future podcasts in this area and others. And, and I know I would welcome that. Hopefully, our listeners would as well. This has been fantastic. We ask that for you listeners that you stay connected connected to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast uh, for even additional topics related to both internal audit and risk management. If you have questions about your internal audit plan, please reach out to our advisors. For more information on internal audit strategy and plan development and or internal controls, we ask that you visit cbh.com forward slash risk. And as always, please like, share and subscribe to Cherry Beckert's Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. And thanks so much again for listening.